Welcome to California State of Mind from Cal Matters and Cap Radio. I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. And I'm Nigel Duara in Los Angeles. So we talk about some downer topics here, but I think that today we can start with some good news. California is giving free lunch to every kid in public school. That's 6.2 million students in a state where 60% of the kids do qualify already for free or reduced lunch. That's what happens when you get a budget surplus. Nicole, what was your favorite school lunch day? Ooh, that's a good question. Definitely, though, those square pieces of pizza, because who doesn't love pizza in a weird shape? What about you? Oh, man, chicken patty day was it for me uh, where I grew up in Miami, going to Pinecrest Elementary Public School. Speaking of the East Coast, my friends out there are calling me and they are angry, Nicole, because they're telling me that the West Coast wildfire smoke is ruining their day. Yeah, as somebody who also used to live in a state east of California, which is every state, I understand. That can be annoying. But up here in Northern California, after years of dragging their feet, PG&E officials announced that they would bury something like 10,000 miles of power lines, which is a huge development. Although that news came just a few days after they said that their equipment may have sparked a big wildfire that's burning up here that's forced evacuations. So maybe it'd be cheaper to bury those lines than to pay out more in those wildfire liability claims. Nicole, do you think that the wildfires are going to play much of a role in the recall race? I think they definitely could, you know, in September when people are going to be voting on the recall. That's like peak wildfire season. If you remember last year, there was gray, orange, smoky skies for weeks, which is really depressing. And that might affect voters' attitudes and how they feel about Gavin Newsom at at that time. So I guess we'll see. But speaking of the recall, there is more drama this week. There were last-minute lawsuits. But we finally have this finalized ballot 46 people are running to replace Gavin Newsom. We've been talking about them on this show. Kind of exciting, though, that all of this drama is done up to this point, and now the drama will be focused on campaigning, campaigning, campaigning for the next seven weeks until September 14th. So, Nigel, let's talk about housing, because it is no secret that the cost of rent, the cost of buying a house is one of California's most persistent problems. And the pandemic has only made it worse, especially if you are thinking of buying a house. Yeah, if there's any group of people who could force solutions on this issue, you'd think it'd be Democratic state leaders. They have a supermajority in the state legislature. The governor's a Democrat. Pretty much everyone's a Democrat. But many of the housing bills brought up in recent years have failed. Yeah, to figure out why Democrats can't seem to agree on housing policy, we talked with CalMatters housing reporter Manuela Tobias. Welcome, Manuela. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Okay, well, we have a lot to talk about um, and some big questions. Democrats hold all the power in the California legislature, and they use that supermajority to muscle through a state budget, pass bills. My question for you is why can't state Democrats figure out a solution to this housing shortage problem? Why are they not able to pass meaningful legislation on housing? Yeah, I think uh, there's an assumption there that because there's this majority of, of Democrats that it would be easier. But when it comes to housing, the state really doesn't follow that traditional 
left right political lines like last year's most controversial housing production bill that would have allowed duplexes and split lots on uh, single family neighborhoods was opposed by a Republican from the High Sierras and a Democrat from Culver City. And there was support from Democrats in San Francisco and Republican from Bakersfield. So just having Democrats doesn't doesn't mean anything uh, is is one <laughs> way to answer that question. But I think that the real thing that gets in the way is uh, these interest groups that are extremely powerful, and a lot of them do have uh, you know these more uh, progressive ideals, which still clash with each other. So these issues keep playing out. Uh, regardless of that, of those party lines. Well, who are some of these interest groups then that have so much power? Yeah, so uh, the key players that come up again and again in these housing fights include developers, landlords, realtors, uh, tenants, uh, activist groups, uh, big tech, environmental groups, labor groups, and they all have a very loud say and often their views clash. And then there's local cities and counties that vigorously oppose being told what to do. Um, so so everyone in the state has an opinion and everyone's really loud about they it. They do. Um, so like, for example, you know, everyone agrees that it's way too expensive to buy a home in California and there's a massive racial gap where white families are twice as likely to own their homes than black families. So there's a lot of agreement that this is a big issue, but a lot of the more progressive bills to address this, for example, there was a bill to end a mortgage interest deduction on second homes in order to help finance uh, new homes for first-time home buyers, and that failed basically because the realtors, uh, which are a very powerful interest group, oppose that because it would hurt their members. So that's a good example of, you know, a bill whose um, maybe intention people agree on, but the way to go about it hurts a key interest group. And so it doesn't get through. Well, probably the most influential interest groups on this issue is a union that isn't as well-known and isn't as, you know, general as like realtors and tenants and homeowners and cities and counties. So tell us a little bit about the building and trades unions. Yeah. So the State Building and Construction Trades Council is a big power player in in California politics. There were uh, several bills to address the housing shortage in California uh, at the start of the session. There was one bill in the assembly that aimed to allow for housing to be built in commercially zoned lands. And uh, so think big box stores, old retail spaces, and, and office spaces. And so that bill did not... Uh, include the labor language that the trades have been pushing for. And so that bill basically failed because of it. Um, and so the language says uh, that the the people working on these construction projects 
uh, at least a third of them in every single trade, uh, so whether it's plumbing or bricklaying, need to uh, be a, be graduates of an apprenticeship program. And so a lot of people call that a union requirement because the unions run about 90% of the apprenticeship programs in the state. And the opposition for this uh, comes from uh, developers who say that the union labor just isn't available. And so we've looked at that at CalMatters and found that in some regions, like the Bay Area, there are plenty of union workers ready to go on these projects. But other areas, like in the Central Valley, there just hasn't been the same level of building up that workforce. And so it's especially developers in those areas who are worried that if you require certain workers to build these projects, uh, there just aren't going to be enough bids. And so if there's only one bid, for example, that could drive up the cost dramatically and make the exemption that allowed this project to be built to be basically useless. And so that is a, a key fight where lawmakers don't want uh, workers to suffer and they want workers to make a good living wage, but they also want the housing to be built so that low-income Californians can afford housing. So it's that very progressive goals um, creating this tension that makes it so difficult to get bills passed. I want to go back to one thing you said at the beginning, which is basically this isn't partisan that you have Democrats in Culver City who are voting against housing bills and you have Republicans, you know, in some parts of the state voting for them. Bakersfield, yeah. Um, Like, do you have any sense of why that is? Is this geographic? Is this just, you know, the lawmakers living situation and neighborhood situation and what they see in their day to day lives that's driving how they feel about housing and the need for it? I think that is a key part of it is this state is very large and very diverse. And so the the fights that go on in each member's district are very different. And so the interest that each member brings to the table uh, conflicts with the others. So, uh, for example, one of the first groups that looks at a bill and determines if it has a path forward are homeowners and have live in districts that have a lot of homeowners instead of, for example, majority tenants. And so that's one way that you see that that fight playing out is members are really looking out for their constituents and their constituents are asking for this, even if that's not necessarily in the interest of the majority of the state. So basically, you're saying lawmakers that may represent a lot of NIMBYs will take that NIMBYism to their votes and shoot down housing legislation. Right. Some of the most vulnerable, low-income folks don't really have that time to call their representatives and fight for you know a bill that might be in their interest, but they just have no idea even exists. Well, some of these bills are pushed by the very top of the top, the Senate president pro tem, like the most powerful lawmakers. 
What does it say about the power dynamics in the state capital that even the legislative leaders can't force a solution on this issue? They're still hitting roadblocks by interest groups. They are. And I think that this same frustration that we are trying to understand is what a lot of these lawmakers are going through. Even the most powerful lawmakers are, are struggling against these these same issues. Uh, one of the bills uh, is from Los Angeles to create an agency to finance affordable housing, which which actually has bipartisan support, which a lot of um, a lot of advocacy groups have agreed is a key priority. And both the Senate and the Assembly have declared housing to be a top priority. And yet this bill is one of those that has been held. And even the the bill's author is unable to to really pin down why that is and what the holdup is. But there's other tensions between perhaps the houses or leadership that we just can't really understand. And I think that a key part of this is that so many of these tensions go on behind the scenes and it really is difficult for us to know exactly what it is that that kills a bill because there are all these different interest groups and, and issues that arise. We're back with more of our interview with Manuela in a moment. We'll talk about what housing bills are moving through the legislature this year and where they stand. Stay tuned for more California State of Mind. It's California State of Mind from Cap Radio and Cal Matters. I'm Nicole Nixon. And I'm Nigel Duara. We're talking this week about why Democrats in the California legislature can't seem to agree on a solution to the state's housing problems. That's despite having a supermajority in both the Assembly and Senate and the governor's mansion. Earlier, Manuela Tobias told us about some of the influential players that hold things up. We also asked her to give us a primer on some of the housing bills making the rounds this year. So most of the bills revolve around building more housing. These bills remove a key hurdle in the planning process for housing. They don't necessarily mean that this will all be built because there are lots of other factors that play into the difficulties of housing. But what these bills do is try to make it a little bit easier to allow for housing to be built where it is currently illegal. Um, For example, in single family zones or places that, um, places that are zoned only for commercial purposes. So I also understand that some of these bills missed a a pretty key deadline recently. Um, So does that mean that we're going to see another year with no movement on this big housing package? So what I've been learning is that a bill isn't dead until the session is over. So, yes, many of these bills, including that uh, those changes to commercial zoning, 
uh, do look dead um, from just looking at the legislative calendar, but that means very little in Sacramento. There's there's really a lot of things that leadership can do to make sure that a bill moves forward. And with these bills at the top of the pro tems agenda, there is a high chance that they'll still move forward. Obviously, if a if a leader of the Senate or Assembly is, you know, has their name on a bill, it's very high priority for them to get it through. But the Senate president, Tony Atkins, had her name on some of these bills last year and they died in the final minutes. So um, but, you know, I guess she very much does not want that to happen again. So we'll have to wait and see. Yes, there's. There's already one bill in that housing package that has already been signed into law, which deals with environmental regulations. And there is, again, consensus that housing is a top priority and affordability is only worsening with the average um, home price topping $800,000 this year in California. So I think that there is momentum for these bills to move forward and there is that desire but once again it's really going to be up to the leadership whether that actually happens all right last question manuela housing and homelessness are two of the most like persistent and stubborn problems in the state and we have a recall election against the governor coming up, so I have to ask about that. How are these issues factoring into that election? Yeah, they are huge. Uh, while the recall may have picked up steam as a referendum on his handling of the coronavirus pandemic, homelessness has become a key point that the candidates are uh, rallying around, and they all agree that Newsom hasn't done enough on this issue and bring up the fact that the numbers, the number of people experiencing homelessness has only grown and it's grown by almost a quarter since 2018. It's really hard to actually pin down these numbers and, and show what's happening. But I think that every Californian can see that this issue um, is only getting bigger so a lot of these candidates have put out proposals to try to address homelessness, proposing things like forcing people to go into mental health facilities or to go into shelter. And the issue that comes up again and again when evaluating these types of proposals is the fact that the services just aren't there. While the Newsom administration has put a lot of money into homelessness, it still only covers a fraction of the need. Manuela Tobias, thank you so much for helping us sift through this huge, complicated issue and sharing your reporting with us. Yeah, of course. And if, if anyone is interested in getting more into the weeds of these issues, I definitely encourage them to listen to Gimme Shelter, which is a podcast that I co-host with Liam Dillon at the LA Times, where we discuss housing affordability in the state and 
these same questions of why is it so difficult to afford rent, buy a house, and address homelessness. And that's California State of Mind for this week. See you next time, Nigel. Have a good week. Thanks. You too. California State of Mind is a collaboration of Cal Matters and Cap Radio. It's edited by Tess Figland and produced by Jen Picard. Our engineers are Antonio Minez, Chris Feltz, and Paul Conley. Sally Schilling is our executive producer. Mark Jones is the technical director. Chris Hagen is our digital editor. Margarita Noriega and Chris Bruno are our masters of marketing. Our social media is run by Emmy Gilbert and Courtney Fong. Nick Miller is editor at Cap Radio and Joe Barr is our chief of content. Dave Lesher is editor at Cal Matters. Our theme song is Mellifera Ligustica by Isaac Joel. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You'll get notified every Friday of a new episode. That is all for now. Thanks for listening to California State of Mind. See you next week. Support for California State of Mind comes in part from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, 